Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. Yeah, that's the Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I have to have a little star in place of the you for um, some particular people who don't like the word fuck. I like the word fuck. I think it's very versatile. Anyway, on my podcast, I talk about all things related to sex and sexuality, growth, and healing. And today is a huge focus on healing and mind-body connection, spirituality, and sexuality. And I'm going to share one amazing little tip with you right off the bat here. One thing you may not know is that sugar is a boner killer. I'm serious. If you're going to get busy and you're planning on getting busy, don't consume a bunch of sugar. That's one thing I learned in talking with my guest today, Natasha Edwina. On my podcast, I talk about all things related to sex, sexuality, sexual health, and well-being, healing, trauma, better sex with yourself, solo masturbation, with others, better relations, better sex, and erotica. I read erotica stories because I love to share a wide breadth of fantasies with people, and that's what erotica is. It is delving into fantasies, stories of sexual fantasies that you can enjoy. Okay, let's get started with this amazing episode with Natasha Edwina. You will learn a lot and she's amazing. She has her own shows as well. So I will put all of her links down in the podcast notes so that you can connect with her. Also, one more new piece of info. I have a new book up for pre-sale. It is a novella, an erotic romance novella, and it is about swingers. This one is about friends to lovers. Never say Never swing. And right now that is available in pre sale on Amazon as an ebook, and it will be coming out on other platforms for selling soon as well, like Apple. I've been selling books on Apple. Oh, I can't talk. I've been selling books on Apple. So I'm really excited. Who's ever buying my books on Apple? Thank you. And I will continue to post them there. Also, Barnes and Noble and other online sellers. Okay. Are you ready? I am so pumped to share this with you. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, everyone. I'm so excited to talk to this amazing, lovely guest, Natasha Edwina. I'm so excited to learn from her and share what she has to say with you. It's just it's amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. So Natasha Edwina is an LMFT, a therapist turned coach and mind-body health consultant, specializing in psycho, whoa, look at this That's word. That's a big word. <laughs> Psychoneuroimmunology. <laughs> I, did, I did that right, right? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> self-love, relationships, and spirituality, sexuality. She offers individual, couple, group, and corporate consultations and coaching programs, as well as hypnosis, workshops, retreats, and public speaking. Welcome to my podcast, Natasha. Thank you, Ruin. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. 
I'm really excited to talk with you and learn more about this because it just seems like such an amazing thing. And, it, and when I was looking at your content, I noticed that your focus is on pleasure, correct? Correct. You got it. Uh, good. My message is coming through. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so you've studied mind and body medicine and the integration of spirituality and sexuality. How would you describe that to people? Yeah, well, I think maybe the best way to describe is through abbreviated version of my story. I originally got into the therapy field, even though I tried to leave it about five times <laughs> because <laughs> it's not usually a very pleasurable field, right? Mm -hmm. um, we enter these spaces for our own healing. And I think we're, the soul is seeking to heal itself. And then we accumulate a whole bunch of tools and, and, and then, you know, have this desire to heal others. And that's what it is to be in community. And, you know, we're, we're creatures that are wired for connection. And through that process, I ended up getting really interested in holistic health. And when the first fully accredited PhD program in mind-body medicine in the world finally came into existence in 2013, specializing in integrated mental health, I was able to transfer in my master's credits and, and actually, you know, time and financial wise swing a PhD. So that's where I spent seven years. And while I was in that process, it was incredibly personally transformative, more so than academically, I would say. And, and in the study of psychoneuroimmunology, psycho which is also called mind-body medicine, is the study of the nervous system, really. And if we want to have ecstatic bliss states and sexual states, we have to have a healed nervous system as well. We have to right. understand that that's all connected. And so what sort of spontaneously happened to me as as I was leaving a quite uh, toxic relationship, that's a, such an overused term now, but really the nice way of saying it is I wasn't married to a team player. The, the trauma of that, along with the spiritual states that I was reaching through meditation, which I was using to cope with the trauma, helped me to have basically a what was been described to me as a kundalini awakening. And I was in these like very juicy sexual states in which I was also having psychic experiences and psychic phenomena. And then my dissertation topic changed. <laughs> so it chose me. It was like, <laughs> Natasha, we are not studying, you know, synchronicity. And I started, I was doing research on school children because I was actually working the public school system. When I started the PhD and then it spit me out as a spiritual sexuality researcher. So you can see how far <laughs> it came, but it really did choose me. And through my own personal experiences of reaching those erotic, ecstatic bliss states, it was very empowering. And I was feeling like magic and magical things were happening in my life. And I was creating very quickly the life of my dreams and the career of my dreams and things were falling into my lap and I couldn't believe what was going on. So being the researcher, I thought I really need to study this academically. And when I dipped into the academics, I realized there really wasn't that much written about this process that I was going through or let alone even female sexuality and what that felt like or what that was like, or, you know, there's so much research or not even that much research, but most of the research in female sexuality is about female dysfunction, female dysfunction after cancer, female dysfunction after this female, like, it's like, let's study the female dysfunction after our society, 
you know, if after women end up with these illnesses that society really created, because we're collectivistic creatures, especially as women and our sexuality is, is deep, it's expansive, it's systemic, it's like multidimensional. And that's because women's energy is that way, our brain works that way. And so whatever is disease and culture, of course, it's going to manifest in the woman's body. And if you are a part of a system the disease that manifests in your body is from your family system. You know, you're just the more most sensitive energy carrier, basically, is kind of how it works. And that's what I learned in my master's degree in marriage and family therapy. So taking that systems theory and then applying it to this nervous system understanding, and then my own personal experience of having this, this sexual spiritual energy rise up in my own body and what that actually felt like, felt like I was proposing to share my story and interview others that had similar experiences, but the pandemic had other ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, I just couldn't continue with the dissertation financially or time-wise as a single mama of two. And so I'm on pause right now and with that process, but also very much at peace with it because it's freeing up my time to do things like this, like have these conversations with you and others who are understanding how vitally crucial the erotic is for the feminine, right? And expanding that and and using that as healing state, not only to heal ourselves, but to heal the planet because it's out of balance. Absolutely. And that's just beautiful. And I just wonder something to, you know, strive for and reach for. And how do how would a woman start that process? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> it's, a, it's a giant question, right? <laughs> You're a writer, right? <laughs> you yeah. Time for a book today. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, yeah, there's a lot, but you know, some people will say it's as simple as the breath. Like if if there's an if there's a simple answer, it's the breath. And even let's talk about you know the sexual experience. When I was coming of age and reading. YM magazine and glamour and all these things. I'd read articles about tantric sex. Right. And, you know, you do this position and this position and that position. And it's like, that's not, and then you don't, you know, ejaculate and you just stay still. And, and it, was <laughs> like, it was still described as a physical process yeah, of yeah. Like an energetic process, which is what Tantra right. is. Tantra just means oneness and connection, right? Uh-huh. And so we have to connect with ourselves first. And that's how we do it is through the breath. And so simply doing something like breathing for three minutes, even one minute before you begin a very slow, pleasurable self-pleasure practice or an episode with your lover. And so what's sold to us in media is like hard and fast and you know, mm-hmm. grab you by the hair and throw you in the room. And, and it's going to be 30 seconds of penetration. And it's going to be the most exciting experience that we've ever had. And that's, I think right. more of a male fantasy than a female fantasy. Not right. that we don't enjoy that, but if that's all, that's not a peak, that's not a peak sexual experience for most no. women. It's the rolling hills of bliss and pleasure that go on and on and on. And there's a book called Extended Massive Orgasm. And it Mm. talks about that. And it's just like, how do you, rather than having one peak, which society, you know, very linear is like, we do this and we hear, and then we're done and we go to sleep. It's like, how do you just keep rolling it and rolling it and rolling it for hours? So you can't even distinguish what the peak is. It's just like constantly flowing, right? This current of orgasmic energy. And when you get 
And so how does that happen? It happens with the breath because it's the in and the out and the in and the out. And this is how you're, you're kind of like orgasmically engaging with life. And this relates to the nervous system because the more that you're in tune with the breath, you start to heal your nervous system and and the whole body starts to come alive. And we start to unthaw frozen parts of our body that have been frozen because of trauma. So that if, if I had to make it a very simple answer, that would be it. But as you know, pra- you know, to actually embody this and practice it and stay with it, it can, it can take a lot for people. Because when you tell people who have just been trying to hold it together for so long, or they're used to, I can, I can, I know I can use any kind of language here because the name of your podcast is Oh mm-hmm, Fuck. That's yeah. right. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So if they're just <laughs> used to fucking, and doing it the way that porn teaches us or the mm-hmm. media teaches us, then you miss all of that juiciness that makes it so the subtle energy, you know, the subtle energy yeah. that is so erotic. And it's a, it's a lifestyle. So it becomes a lifestyle so that you get to the point of, I mean, and I'm, we're in Taurus season, I'm a, I'm a Taurus. So I'm naturally oriented <laughs> to be a very sensual person and really just uh-huh. as a practice, as a lifestyle, like delight all of my senses. Um, <laughs> You can see I've got flowers and, you know, I love my animal prints and my soft furs right here. Yes. You know, my squeaky leather jacket. (laughs) I know I heard that earlier. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. All of those things. That's part of my, my, the way that I'm built, but also if we all moved more toward those Taurus values, which astrologically the North Node is in Taurus right now. So it's a good time to try. (laughs) start to feel the bliss moment to moment in everyday life. And life is hard. Let's be honest. There's life is challenging, especially now, but how do we write? Well, how do we turn that into bliss and orgasm? It's about getting into the senses. So our capacity to feel pain and, and loss means that if, you know, we have equal opposite capacity to feel bliss and joy. So if you've been through some hard times, know that you can get to that other side and and the goal of life isn't to be here and just always be stable and moderate it's like how well can you ride the waves of that you know that ups and downs we'll be back after a quick break this episode is brought to you by the spring cleaning champions manscaped this season make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below the waist grooming have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Absolutely. One of the things I was thinking of when you were describing the whole peak and it's, you know, it's quick and it's Mm -hmm. like a quickie, that's more like the male orgasm. You know, that's, that's not. And so that's kind of what I think, you know, has been forced upon women because there isn't, it isn't talked about the female sexuality isn't talked about enough. And so like what you just said is it's beautiful because I understand it being a woman and it really shows there's such a huge contrast out there with porn and just a whole view of sexuality. It's it's for women. It is the rolling hills. I know exactly what you're saying. And it's not talked about enough mm-hmm. and just that needs to change. <laughs> so it's good. We're talking about this, but I, yeah. I just, it's amazing. And I, and I think it relates to a couple fundamental differences between women and men. And, and first of all, we're more alike than different. We do mm. all want love. We want connection. We, you know, we yes. human beings, we want the same things, but there are some fundamental differences that when we assume the others like us, then we don't understand and we get, we can get mm-hmm. angry with their behavior or whatever else. So when you look at the desire cycle of men and women, and I learned this in my PhD research is that the desire cycle of men means that they tend, unless they have an issue with testosterone or whatever, um, which is becoming an issue these days with so many pesticides and chemicals in the environment. But if, if they don't have an issue with testosterone, they tend to stay ready. You know, they're constantly kind of walking around with this heightened desire Mm. and women, about 10% of women are about the same as men. And they constantly have this desire and they're kind of like bubbling over. And I would say I definitely was like that during my Kundalini awakening. That's how I felt. I had so much (laughs) empathy for 18 year old boys. I was like, okay, Uh I get it. Gosh, this is hard. Huh? This is hard. So I have empathy. And so that quick orgasm makes sense because they're already bubbling over and they just like, like release the tension. Right. And Uh for women, we tend to, to need and want to build up the tension. So like men will sometimes say, Oh no, women don't need that. Women love the hard pounding. Women love the quick quickies or whatever. It's like, yes, they do sometimes Mm -hmm. when they, when you've already built up all of that tension for hours, days and foreplay could be conversation. Yeah. It could be mm-hmm. text message. It could be doing the dishes. It could be, yes. you know, something cologne that you're wearing. It could be all kinds of different things. It varies, you know, by the women, whereas men tend to have similar stimuli where kind of the same handful of stimuli will, will stimulate most men. Whereas mm-hmm. women is very different. We have these it's, sex is very mental very emotional, very interconnected with us. And that's because of brain chemistry. So our brains are different. Women's brains tend to light up in multiple uh, areas because we have a thicker corpus callosum, which is the area between the left and right brain. And and we can easily send energy back and forth. So we tend to be all over the place. And even right now I'm talking very circular, (laughs) circularly, (laughs) right, right. Then we wind back, right? And our sexuality is the same way. We want to explore every little nook and cranny. We don't want to just get there. And with men, they can be frustrated with that in both our communication and the way we speak and trying to track us and follow us and understand what we're saying, but also having patience for our winding, you know, erotic mm-hmm. pleasure. And if they understand that that's how the, the woman operates, they can have a better 
it'll be a better experience for them. And then as women, us understanding that their brain is very compartmentalized. So when they're speaking, if they're very direct and they don't say much about this or that, it's because their brain is kind of tends to light up here and then it goes here and then it goes here and then it goes here. (laughs) And is there. So if it's in the sex part and it's like sex, 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 let's, let's just get it, get on with it. You know, that sort of thing. And so so I feel like men tend to need to be trained to understand the sensual process of sex and, and understand how women need it most of the time. And women need to also be trained in that and understanding themselves because we live in a culture and a society that pretty much didn't offer that training for right. either. Right. And I did a podcast on my, so I have a podcast called goddess vibrations, the spiritual sexual empowerment show. And I had a, an author named Habib Akande on and he's oh, yes. a couple of times. Do you know Habib? I do. I just oh, you do? interviewed him. I interviewed him like a week or two ago. It hasn't gone live yet, but he was unbelievable. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. And he talks about, so he has a book called Kunyatsa, yes. a book about a practice that comes out of Rwanda mm-hmm. and which involves squirting. And, yes. and, and he said he's from the UK and he said, it's actually any, even pornography with squirting is banned there. Mm. And I said, why? And he said, he thinks it's like peeing. Like, I think it's peeing. Yeah, so, right. It's the sex education is so bad that they think it's peeing, but in Africa and in Rwanda, they are actually, they have village aunties and sengas who are teaching sexuality to the young women who are coming yes. of age. And then the, that young woman teaches it to her first partner when he, when he, you know, when he's no longer a virgin and he learns from her. And then from then on, he's sort of, you know, he's expected to be able to please a woman, especially with this technique and to make her squirt. And 96% of women in these cultures are orgasmic and squirt. And that's, and then here we're dealing in the West, we're dealing with whole cultures that don't even think it's a real thing. Oh, yes, I know. He told me some of that too. And I was absolutely blown away. That is just fascinating. And what a, what a testament to what the female body can do of 96%. I mean, that's not, that's not a small percent. (laughs) No. And the other interesting thing is it gets political. You know, he talks about the Mm -hmm. orgasm gap and does a lot of educating Mm -hmm. on that. And he, you know, he says in his book that they also share more political power. So in mm-hmm. countries where women are more orgasmic, they're also sharing political power, which relates uh, and they have more elected officials in government and leadership positions, which relates back to, you know, what I, what I experienced with my, my sexuality rising and my empowerment and things, you know, really me stepping into more of a leadership role at that moment too. And I think we get and even in the Tantra community and even in the spiritual community, we get twisted with this old patriarchy and this yes. polarity conversation. We're like, the man leads, the woman submits. And I'm just like, right. not that's not happening in Africa. Like the, the women are leading with teaching the sexuality. And she right. she's the one that's like, I know my body. So this is an unrealistic expectation for a man to know a, a woman's body. And yet that's what that's what holds most men back from being good lovers is they're resistant to actually listening and learning. And, yes. and even if you understand, let's say you're, you learn this Kunyaza technique, that's great. However, it's always listening because every, every lover, every woman is going to be different. It's yep. going to be different and have different triggers for desire. So going back to my conversation about the desire cycle is that other non 10%, 90% of women, they kind of have this 
this desire kind of under the surface. It's not out there ready to go. It's under here. But if yeah. you introduce the right triggers, it'll come, it'll rise mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And so we mm-hmm. think of women as sexually dysfunctional a lot of times when actually her desire is just a little, you just got to dig a little bit more to get it. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. have to introduce the right triggers. And the, and the reality is women aren't less sexual. They're just more easily bored. And yeah. so if you mm-hmm. keep offering that same old boring sex, she's just, <laughs> it's going to stay down here. Her desire is going to stay down here. So right. again, you, you see the value in what you're, you're doing by, you know, the erotic writing, because that could be a trigger for many women is to read those stories. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing I, I really like. And it's also a way for people to women and men to explore new things without actually putting each other on the spot or just using it as foreplay. I mean, there's just so much or even solo play, you know, I mean, there's just yep. so much that can grow from it. It's just, to me, it's just amazing how it can be used and can benefit people. I just think it's beautiful. And I just, that's what I want for people. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a total goal of mine, <laughs> both men and women. Yeah. And there's so many different people are oriented so many different ways sexually. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. you know, it's just like we all have favorite colors and favorite foods and kind of ways of being and you know, I feel like it does relate to relationships. Like I'm the person that I go to the Thai food restaurant and I get drunken noodles every time. Like there might be <laughs> every once in a while, I'm feeling wild and want to change it up, but I just love the drunken noodles so much that yeah. I can't help, but, you know, always choose that. And I kind of feel the same way about my, um, my sacred partnerships. I'm monogamous, you know, and it's not mm-hmm. to say that maybe one day after 10 years of eating drunken noodles, I might decide <laughs> to try something else. And I want that freedom in my relationship as well. But, you know, yeah. obviously we talk about it beforehand yeah. while as other people are like, nah, I never like to eat the same thing, you know, twice. So it's right. like, it's just about finding, you know, that match for you that, that works for you. And then, but what's really important for women, again, this is in the research is they need to feel safety. So know that they're not getting any STIs or being exposed to any STIs. They need to know they're emotionally safe. Like they know, Hey, are we on the same page of like what we're both getting or is somebody going to have their heart kind of trampled on, or they're going to be kind of objectified or used or whatever else. And, you know, if two people are coming into a situation and being like, you know what, I'm not really don't have the energy for an intimate emotional connection, but I just want to, you know, explore my sexuality or try these fun things, the relationship might even be oriented around that, which is totally fine if both people are looking for that. But if you have one person that's like that, and the one person is looking for a relationship, and so they're trying to tell them what they want to hear so that they can interact with this person they're attracted to, you see, we have big problems. Yes, exactly. So where communication is so important. And yeah, to learn your partner, individual, Mm -hmm. even not assuming that they want what they wanted five years ago last week. You know, I mean, you can't assume that someone just because they liked one thing once that they are going to always like that thing, you know, so communication. Yeah. Well, and again, the feminine brain, it's, it's has a high need for variety and Mm -hmm. it has a low tolerance for boredom. And -hmm. it doesn't mean that she, so, so I find that men tend to interpret, or I should say the masculine tends to interpret novelty and boredom with swapping out partners, like a new body, you know, because Mm -hmm. again, that's that linear surface level view, whereas Mm -hmm. the feminine is more deep and expansive in its energy. And her idea of novelty might be like being with a partner for, you know, a decade and going to levels that you could never go with a new partner because you have to Mm -hmm. establish that intimacy and that safety. Right. And so, so the novelty might be 
trying all kinds of new adventures. And really, I mean, the sky is the limit. Like there's so many ways to explore sexually because it's play. Yes. And it's really just experimenting with your own senses and your own energy and the combination of energy. And there's, I mean, there's so much. And I think a good way to start is to, if you want to explore this side, you know, whether you're in a relationship or a situationship or whatever the agreement is, <laughs> contract, create a fantasy list. You know, you each create right. a list of fantasies or desires, and then you check them off for each other and see, you know, which, and then in that, which fantasies actually want to be realized and which are more powerful is simply fantasies that you fantasize right. about. Right. Right. And boundaries and including each other's boundaries. You, you know, Absolutely. one person's fantasy may be another person's boundary. And Absolutely. so you have to be careful with that. And you have to be respectful on both sides for yourself and for your partner to not pressure into that boundary. If it's, yeah, boundaries yeah, are important. There's, <laughs> there's some things that just aren't, aren't going to be a no for some partners. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're like, no, yeah. I'm not going to go there. Or that'll be a yes. If this is in place, I had a partner right. once who, who, who was really wanting this threesome. That was like their biggest fantasy. And, and I said, in order for that to happen, I would need to have the emotional safety. And right. I don't have, we'd have not established that yet. And I, I would need to know that if something went down and the energy was off and I was no longer comfortable that you would pick up on that immediately and would be game over. And right. I didn't have that sense. Yeah, you know? exactly. So there's, mm. there's certain things that, that yeah, have to be established and uh, yeah. And then, you know, it, it ties into trauma histories and all of that stuff. So I'm so glad mm-hmm. that you brought up boundaries. Really, really, really important. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's great to satisfy your partner and, you know, do, you know, fulfill fantasies and a fantasy list. But yeah, that's one piece that you can't ever not address. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if someone crosses that, that's, that's a huge issue. And that's, that requires so much healing. Oh, it, it's a, honestly, it's a lot of work to go back. And I've had a lot of couples come to me because they've said that, you know, they've been married a long time or they've been together a long time and they decided to open up their relationship. And unfortunately they, they did it quick and impulsively rather than really looking at how to do that with integrity and a good solid foundation. And, mm-hmm. it, and it tended to be like, oh, we got drunk one night and we decided to be swingers with our friends that were a couple, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh shoot. Now the next day, there's a whole mess of dynamics that you got to deal with that you never really thought about. Right. Right. And, and the trauma and the relationship ripples. And now it's just like opening up all this other stuff about insecurity. And I mean, that can be avoided if we if we look at the foundations and and somebody that I follow on Instagram is Kendra Stevens Progressive Love Academy and she you know she actually has a therapist background and she's coaching people to open up their relationship should they decide wow. to do that but she also says ten years of monogamy first master monogamy first then then very interesting what an interesting idea mm-hmm. huh yeah, setting the foundations you know it's all about integrity because it's about energy if it, sexuality is about energy if you're paying attention right oh, absolutely mm-hmm. so I would love to talk about your show what do you talk about on your show so do you have two shows or one show well I have one YouTube channel and I have okay. a playlist that's more kind of general topics I guess in the mind body okay. healing space and my YouTube channel is all about deep conversations, systemic change, social justice, play, but playfully, playfully and in partnership. 
So relationships. And then there's the other podcast, which is only on YouTube at this point. I'm keeping it very simple because I have a lot of other things (laughs) going on. So it's a YouTube live that happens every Monday night at 8 p.m. Next week is our season finale. And then, then I'll come back again at the end of August for season three. But it's the spiritual sexual empowerment show, Goddess Vibrations. So the idea of being vibrations, you know, kind of like good vibrations, goddess vibrations. It's all Mm -hmm. about energy medicine. It's about female sexuality, which is very deep and systemic, just like the social change that I talk about. And so we have all kinds of guests on, like I said, Habib was on there and we talk about relationships. We talk about intimacy. We talk about open relating and integrity. We talk about monogamy versus polyamory. We talk about female anatomy and neurotic anatomy and knowing your anatomy. We talk about raising girls. We talk about, you know, talking, how to talk to your children about sex and how to, you know, move that forward. We talk about dating and can, you know, there's a one episode that was a lot of fun called can guys be friends without benefits. Mm, And that ended up being a two-part show. We had the squirting (laughs) episode with Habib but it's really all about energy medicine and the deep holistic sexuality of the feminine and how to nurture that, honor that, understand that, embody that, put it into practice. Yeah, I really love that because it just shows that, you know, sex isn't just in the bedroom and <laughs> you can't separate it. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. separate it from the rest of the relationship. It's not, it's not a book. It's not an erotic book. It's, it's expansive. It's <laughs> exactly. I love that you said that too, because, you know, especially for women, it's like that men have a higher tolerance of to compartmentalize. Not that women can't do it. We certainly can, but it's right. a little bit harder for us. And, and when I see couples, I, and the sex is off, I know the energy is off in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? And I've experienced that in my own life. I'm sure you have as well. And also I've, I do feel that when you're embarking on a long-term relationship with somebody, they always say friendship is the most important thing that absolutely is. You develop trust and all that. But I also think if not equally important is that sexual connection and charge yes. and that kind of desire for each other. Because if you don't have that, you are going to end up just having a really peaceful friendship. <laughs> you know, right. yep. friendship. And yep. maybe that's yep. okay for some people, but not me. I have Venus and Aries. So right. I like there's a little... A little charge there. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm an Aries myself. So yeah. (laughs) Oh, that you you understand. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. You want the passion, you want the charge. And if you have that, that can bring you back to the friendship. That can bring you back to resolving because it's connection, you know. Mm -hmm. So some folks might be fighting or things aren't right, but their sex life is still like, you know pretty good. And it's like, okay, you guys can make it through this, right? Right. There's another woman on Instagram that I really enjoy her pages, Kimami, K-I-M-A-M-I. And she even says, you should have sex every day with your partner. Yeah. And that's, that's a tall order for a lot of people, but it you is. Know, maybe it won't be penetration. Maybe it'll just be a little erotic touch. But because it's the connection and that's what keeps you alive. And that's what makes you feel alive. Like our Mm -hmm. libido, our sexual energy is our life force energy. It creates not only humans, but it creates worlds. It creates businesses. It creates ideas. It creates social change. And it's so important. And we, we, we make it perverse, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we, we not only think 
loop, throw the baby out with the bathwater and loop all anything sexual into perverse. But also we take just little pieces of it and turn it perverse and turn, mm-hmm. make it dirty and make it um, disrespectful, you know, and, and then sell that. Right. And, then, and, and it's just, it's an interesting space. So I feel like if we can heal the sexual space and you can do the sexual healing in your own life, you can heal anything. I like that's a very good point. And it shows how basic sexuality is in our, our beings. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a base. It's not an extra. And so when I hear of couples that don't have sex, like, you know, they're just, they're just missing that base. And then this mm-hmm. is why they're off, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I also know of couples who they even got married, but they never really had that charge. And mm. you know, the big issue is they're just struggling. One of them is struggling with desire. And of mm. course there can be again, physiological issues. And, and then I think most common it's emotional issues or traumas or whatever, but if all of that's figured out, you know, there's just chemistry, there's pheromones. It's, you know, right. we might be compatible on some level, but but really, you know, you get to decide what kind of relationship you want to have. And, and if that's really important to you, like you being in Aries, me being on the cusp of Aries, <laughs> Venus in Aries, yeah, it's really important. It's mm-hmm. really important. Absolutely. One thing I really wanted to touch on too, when I was looking through your content is talking about nutritional healing to improve mood and libido. How oh, wow. does that happen? And how does someone go about doing that? Yeah, great question. Well, that is well timed too. My way of doing it is really to get rid of sugar. And mm. so as we speak, I'm on day two of a sugar reset and okay. I have a five-day program, which is break up with sugar, which is kind of like playfully worded since I'm a marriage and family therapist and deal with relationships. Sure. Um, but yeah, break up with sugar because sugar is a real boner killer mm. for men as well as for women, because it just, it's very sneaky. It kind of like has this little sweet taste. And then pretty soon it starts to take over the day. And pretty much we then find ourselves, we just had a little flirtation and now we're in a a long-term relationship with fatigue and, you know, bad skin and (laughs) like Mm. um, lower stress. And and our sex drive just goes down because it really just dampens and makes energy really heavy. And sugar definitely has a place in life and it should be just these little sprinkles, right? It shouldn't be a daily medicine. It shouldn't be an every meal, you know, that sort of thing. So for five days, like what I'm doing right now, and I'm leading a couple of people through it as well this week, uh, I have a team and and we create information and education around this sugar and mental health connection, the sugar and health connection, the sugar and sexual health connection, and help people break that biochemical addiction because it is a biochemical addiction. And unless you change the biochemistry, it's going to be very, very hard to get rid of it. So there's a science in doing it in five days. That's really quick. And then after that, you can start to have a more mindful relationship with it. Decide when, if, how, kind of like you know, that line in pretty women, <laughs> pretty woman, <laughs> I decide when, I decide how, that's, yes. like, <laughs> that's sugar, that's you or sugar, that's getting your power back and not being owned by it, you know? And so that's, yeah, really important. And then just having a big part, like I said earlier, of having a really vibrant sexual life, really deep and vibrant and expansive bliss states is to be able to heal the trauma, heal your nervous system. And in order to do that cellular trauma healing, your cells need to be nutritionally supported as well. That will 
expedite the process. It kind of has to go together. You have to have two sides, nutrition, stress, and trauma healing. I think it's fascinating to point out that it's, it's something that it's not a simple saying, oh, I'm not going to eat that. It actually affects your, your body chemistry. And I think that is what's very interesting. I think a lot of people don't really realize that. I recently did an interview with a woman who wrote a book about, oh, what was it? Diet for Great Sex, I think it was called. And she said some of the similar things you said and how, you know, if you eat a bunch of sugar and you plan on getting busy that night, you're going to crash. Yeah. You just don't have You're sabotaging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You get the quick, because it's quick. It's a quick burst of energy for half an hour. And Mm -hmm. then it leaves you even more depleted. And this is in the research too. And so some people say, oh, well, I had a research paper to write and I ate a bunch of sugar and it got me through my paper. I'm like, yeah, because it was a short-term fix, but the next day you pay for it. You might've had to pay for it the rest of the week. Right. I had toxic mold poisoning 10 years ago, about 12 years ago. And so my body became exquisitely sensitive to sugar because even a Dr. Pepper could send me off for like a month Wow! um, because so much fungus had grown in my body from the mold that mm. I was breathing in. And so it was built these mold colonies and then that sugar was feeding it. So I had to, for two years, eat a very, very strict homegrown diet. And I learned a lot, a lot, a lot about nutrition at that point in time. And then later, you know, got credentials in it. And so again, I've lived this experience yeah, and I know what right. it feels like to be on sugar, not be in sugar. And I just told a friend last night, who joined this sugar cleanse program with me this week, mm. I said, I, I must, life must be really good right now because normally I stay away from sugar because it kills my joy. And I just, mm-hmm. I feel without it effervescent and bubbly. And then I have a little bit of it and I'm just a little lower the next day and I'm, huh. and I'm okay, but I just don't feel this joyfulness like flowing in and just bursting through me. And that's a fun feeling. I like to feel bursting with joy and I've felt pretty dang good lately. So I'm like, wow, even with the extra sugar that I've had, so life must be pretty good. But what I notice is my skin starts to get a little droopy and saggy and look tired and mm-hmm. my eyes get kind of dull and my knees, my joints will ache a little bit. And that's one, that's another sign. I'm like, Ooh, sugar is starting to take over very subtly, very slowly. So we got to get that. We got to break that biochemical relationship. What I think is interesting too, is that someone who maybe has never avoided sugar as they've never felt anything but that. So mm-hmm. they exactly. don't realize the difference, you know? It's a lot like trauma. People that grow up with a lot of trauma, they don't know Mm. what it feels like to be calm and relaxed. When I taught meditation in schools, students, which who a lot of them were gang involved and whatnot, teenagers, they would Mm. say, Tasha, I feel like I'm stoned or I feel high. And I'm like, that's what relaxation feels like. (laughs) Right. So so you're absolutely right. The, if you're, if you're just so in the standard American diet, I know we hear about this all the time, but it's it's set up to get you addicted to sugar. They put it yeah. in everything because they know how addictive oh, yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at the ingredients of things, it's in weird things that you wouldn't even expect. So it's, it's, it exactly. is difficult to avoid. Yeah. So if they put eight grams of sugar in their spaghetti sauce, they know you'll be like, ooh, I like the spaghetti sauce because it starts <laughs> to biochemically addict you. And then you buy that product more and more. But then yeah. pretty soon you're like, why? I just, oh, I'm tired. I'm fatigued. You know, even all of this talk about long COVID, I wonder how much of it is just people that have already kind of been in this fatigued, you know, standard American diet. And now a new thing came that just really pushed them over the edge. Right. You know? 
So, and that is the treatment. So a lot of people that are getting treatment for long COVID, they're starting with that, cleaning up their, their nutrition and their brain. And because it's inflammation, you know, they got sugar causes inflammation. That's why the joints start to hurt when you, when you eat sugar, I have arthritis. They told me, I don't know how this happened because I'm a very healthy person, but I recently had an MRI because I had a knee injury and they told me I have the knees of a 70 year old. I was like, whoa, okay. So I have some very wise knees and (laughs) I, they said, you must be in a lot of pain. And I said, no, not really. I don't feel any pain. I just Ah. can't do things like squats and I don't move as fast in in those, like I can't bounce and jump and do stuff like that anymore. But it's because I generally stay away from sugar. So as long as I stay away from sugar, I really don't even have any pain in my seven-year-old knees. You know, um, <laughs> that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, but I start to eat sugar, and that's like, oh, they feel a little crickety. So <laughs> it's very again, it's all about empowerment. Some people say, no, I'll never stop drinking Pepsi, or I'll never stop eating cookies, or whatever else. And and I get that. And then I also wonder how sad is life that your attachment is to a cookie. Right. So that's kind of sad. Like, like the, the, it's very empowering to not be attached to anything like that, to not have anything have control over you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, the sad thing is it is in everything. And you know, you walk through a store, depending mm-hmm. on which store you go to, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. it, everywhere you turn. And once you get to a stable blood sugar, this is why I say like, I don't, have a hard and strict diet at this point, but I just say I live low glycemic living. So it's mm. lower sugar and balanced sugars. Right. And, and when I say sugar, you, I think, you know what I'm talking about, but probably some people don't realize they're like, cause I've had so many people say, I don't eat sugar, but they drink tons of milk or they eat bread, like six slices of bread a day. That's sugar. It just right. like down rice, you know, like they're like vegetarian and they eat nothing but rice. That's just pure sugar. And they're wondering why they have a big belly. Right. Because it's inflammation, it's sugar. And so that's what I'm talking about when I, when I say sugar too. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't think of it that way. And you know, there, there is sugar in natural sugar and vegetables and fruit, but that's different. It's different. That's not really a problem. And even when I first started doing this low glycemic stuff back in like 2014, I didn't eat, I kind of did cut back on fruits. I was like, mm, mm. still sugar. I'm eating too many fruits. Now I think the scientific the cutting edge scientific community opinion has shifted with, with fruits and, and like paleo and stuff it, because the fruits have a lot of fiber and a lot of hydration. That's really important too. True, and, true, and yeah, yeah, the sugars aren't really the worst the fruit sugars. Aren't the worst thing, but you know, you do have to be careful if you're eating like an acai bowl every morning for breakfast <laughs> and that's how you're getting your day started. Because right. again, I think of that more as like a treat. Unless you had some protein powder in it, then it would balance out some of the, you know, some of the carbs. Sure. Absolutely. From all the granola, especially the granola and the honey, like, you know, Mm because that's just added. Right. But it's delicious and it's refreshing and there's no reason to cut that out of life. And again, even the cookie metaphor, it's not that you can't, you'll never have a cookie again, but if you cut out the daily cookie, the weekly or monthly cookie is going to taste way better. (laughs) and it's going to help your sex life right it's going to help you get your cookies somewhere else yeah and you know with diabetes people that struggle with diabetes a lot of time if you look at their life history and I see this because I've been in working with you know in the mental health the last 20 plus 25 years almost now you see the same emotional patterns with physical illnesses and people with diabetes often have had a life with too much sweetness 
And right. so, you know, they're craving physical, physical sweetness. They're, they're craving connection through food. And I've been there too. I had, I was an emotional eater in my twenties. And of course, as women, we have the challenge of the body standards and yep. all this stuff. And I'm a Gen Xer. So it was especially harsh because I was coming of age during the supermodel extravaganza, mm. <laughs> like ginormous yep. six, two, you know, size three, and we're all supposed to look like that. And so that was very challenging because that's not my body type. And so I had that extra pressure. But for me, I realized that a lot of the overeating that I did was sort of self-soothing because I really wanted to be a mother. Mm. I wanted to have something to take care of. And so Mm -hmm. I got a dog at 23. My mom was like, no, so here's a cute little puppy for you. That lasted until I was about 29. And then she ran away and I thought, here's that craving again. And it's probably, I probably need the real thing this time. You know, I'm 29 Mm -hmm. at the time. And so I did not have a partner at the time, but I just made a deal with the universe. I threw my hands Mm -hmm. up and I said, If you, I really would love to be a mother in the next five years. And if that's in my destiny, I promise I will do everything I can right now to be the healthiest mother I can be. So I put myself back into therapy. I got back in the gym. Sure. You know, I watched my sugar, (laughs) (laughs) all of that stuff. And my little, uh, my daughter came down about six months early, which was four and a half years too soon, but Uh, (laughs) we made it work. And now I realize, you know, it was right on time. So healing, like actually becoming a mother. And the reason I say this is like, I feel like that was my divine purpose, even though I love my work and it's very, very important to me. My ultimate highest purpose is being a mother. And as soon as I became a mother, the emotional eating was gone. It was like, it was filling that, that void that my soul. Mm, That's very beautiful. Very beautiful indeed. Wonderful. Well, I know we're coming to an end here. Is there anything that you wanted to mention or highlight or talk about in your work or as it relates to women? Anything else you want to say before we end? Yeah, I would love to. You brought up the podcast and definitely invite people to that, but also it's summertime. And if anybody <laughs> lives in San Diego, we're going to be hitting the streets, hitting the beaches. Me and my podcast co-host, Kirti Srivastava, and her partner, Shofar, who's also, I co-facilitates an online trauma healing group with me. He does Qigong and they do sexual energy exchange and sexual energy sessions together for singles and couples. They actually use, they facilitate energetic orgasm for healing, which is a really Mm. specific (laughs) mode of healing, which is fascinating. And so they're kind of like the body experts and I'm the mind expert ah. team up and do a lot of things. So we're going to be out and about this summer doing in-person events, some really fun things to build community and just allow people to engage with our work. And so if you're in the local area, there's that. And if not starting in September, Shofar and I do a group called inclusion and it's called inclusion because it's including mind, body, spirit into healing, but also inclusion of all ages, genders, political orientations, health statuses, races, sexualities, you know, all the things you're, if you have a heart and you're willing to learn, you are included. And so it's a very small group of 10 people. It's a year program. We meet for the first 12 weeks and we, we heal trauma relationally through pleasure. My whole thing is healing through pleasure. And by pleasure, I mean something as simple again as the breath and 
imagery and learning how to regularly get the body into a relaxed state, which then can lead to expanded bliss states. Sounds wonderful and amazing. What great work you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been so fun to talk with you. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. I'm so glad that we could connect and that Reed's come on my show. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Well, you have an amazing day. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for staying with us and learning all of this amazing stuff that Natasha has to say. It might be a lot of new information for you. It was for me. I love her way of speaking even is a kind of a new way for me to listen about the topics of sexuality and spirituality. I found it very moving and deeply, I felt deeply connected with some of the things she said, and I hadn't heard them spoken of in that way before. So I think it was a very, very useful podcast episode. I hope you found it useful and interesting as well. And I hope that you check out all of her links down in the podcast notes. And I will put my links down in the podcast notes as well in my link tree, where you can connect with me and find my books, both erotic audiobooks, not safe for work that I narrate and my own books that I have written and narrated as well. And I hope that you follow my podcast. I hope you give me a rating and give me a review. It helps me to grow when that happens. So give me a rating. Let me know what you think. Or even just a rating alone is great. But make sure if you leave a comment, don't use swear words because unfortunately they block anything that has swear words in it. So make sure you make it PC and your comment doesn't contain that. Otherwise, it won't show up. They block it, unfortunately. So I hope that you have an amazing fucking day. And you know what? I just love you. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going bare. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.